I just want to say what an awesome privilege it is for me to be able to um, take a part in honoring mothers today. I think it's something that needs to happen. I think it, she deserves, mothers deserve way more than one day, but we'll take the day. And um, it's really something that a church will dedicate a Sunday in hearing a message directly for mothers. But I know that if the Holy Spirit is in it, everybody's going to get blessed. So um, blessing moms, we get a blessing. How many know that is absolutely true? Yes. Amen. Um, thank you, Pastor Tim, for inviting me. And thank you. What a privilege it is to share. But also thank you for saying it is important to honor mothers. And thank you that it's your heart to bless and to honor and to uphold in prayer the mothers of this church and to be able to praise them in the gates. So thank you, it's wonderful, our pastor, to have that sensitivity and want that to happen today. But I wanna to begin today by honoring Cindy Delina, the first lady of this church. She has blessed me in many, many ways, but a very special way was during the pandemic, Pastor Carter and I, our daughter Kate, came down with long COVID and during the pandemic and it was she got it early on and so I you probably remember but in those early days we didn't fully know where what was happening if you got that virus and Kate had it for weeks after weeks and months after months and it was a, a long and it was a very difficult time for her but faithfully there was not a month not a week and almost not a day that my daughter Kate did not hear from Cindy she would send texts, she would send messages, she would send gifts. It's like Kate never lost her spiritual radar. And she continually reached out to her. The amazing thing was I didn't know anything about it, that this went on for months at a time, and it was only at the end did I find this lady's faithful love and consideration for my daughter. And it's not something that she sounded a trumpet about, it was just something that she did. And so I just want to say Cindy, your ministry, especially your one-on-one, -on -one, is so needed and so appreciated. And I just want to say that I love you and I thank you today and I honor you for what you do. And I pray God's blessing, a continued blessing on your ministry in this church. And also, yes, let's do that. And I, I would like to add also that I would like to honor the elders' wives in this church the women that um, I have walked alongside for years, and even some new ones. And I just want to say that these are women of God, and they are always have a word of encouragement and love to pray. So if you don't know that yet, come up and meet some of the elders' wives, and you will truly see a strength and a beauty and a, a way that they can bless and serve this congregation. You don't want to squander that great resource. So I honor the, the um, elders' wives of this church also. Well, uh, as far as Mother's Day stats go, I, I like to say I qualify. Uh, Pastor Carter and I, we have three children, two sons and a daughter, and we have nine grandchildren, seven boys and two girls. Um, I laughed, I heard a story, our oldest grandchild is, he's 17, and our youngest is a year and a half, he's baby, Carter Conlon. And uh, he, he, apparently, he was um, at a swimming pool with his uh, seven-year-old sister the other day, and she got out of the pool and she was freezing and she, her teeth were chattering, you know? And he's a year and a half, diapers, and he looks up and her teeth are chattering away, and he looks and then he starts this huge belly laugh. And it's like, <laughs> he'd never seen anything so funny in his whole life. And he's just laughing and laughing. And then he looks at her and he goes, <laughs> and he tries to mimic what he's saying and bursts out the, laugh, the laughter again. So I don't know, something, you know, Pastor Carter says the closest thing to idolatry you'll ever experience in your whole life is when you have grandchildren. So um, I used to roll my eyes a little bit, you know, people with grandkids. Till I had them, now I'm firmly bitten. And now I am actually doing it to you. But um, they, those stories never go, grow old. But anyway, we're just, just so happy, so happy to have grandkids. So uh, we spent uh, yesterday with a couple of them. So it's, it's amazing I have the strength to be here today. 
I want to start by a thought that the Lord gave me a little while ago, and, and it's this, that Jesus was the only person in history that got to choose his mother. He got to choose her. He, you know, since all things were made by him for him, he created everything, he got to choose who his mother would be. And that's a very interesting thing because if we were going to take from scripture, like, well, well, who did he choose and why did he choose? There is very scant evidence biblically that tells us in some ways personal facts about Mary. We don't know what she looked like. We don't know really um, what, what kind of family she was from, whether they were educated or honored or uh, illustrious. Were they poor? Is her family very, very average? There's a lot that we don't know about her from biblical records. But the one thing that is said about her consistently and that scripture bears witness to, and it must be so important, and that was that Mary kept things in her heart and Mary pondered the things in her heart that was said to her concerning her son Jesus and that was said to her in key moments of scripture. And it's amazing to me that that's actually what Jesus values. It's amazing to me that that's what he considered when he got to choose his mother, what she was gonna be like, that that was so important to him. And I, I wanna say that a mother's heart is a very deep well. And in it is lots of room for a reservoir of secrets and stored information hidden joys and unspoken pains. And if you, to, to be a, a mother and a woman, you know how true that is. And it's a place where fears and doubts can be buried in a time of crisis, because you may have to rise and become a problem solver. You may have to stay in the fight and be tenacious and be resilient because you don't have a choice. But it is a heart that feels acutely the pains the shortcomings, and the joys of your children. Before I start today, if today is a difficult day for you, it may be because you have lost a child or you are estranged from a child. I pray that in knowing that Jesus chose a woman and it's something very special to him, that there is much in her heart that may be unspoken, only cried about or prayed about, that he is there with you. And, and, and ministering to you today. I also want to talk to those people also today that might have a mother wound, that might have not had a great relationship with their mother, that it might have been a complicated one, that God would just touch your heart because with a new understanding of seeing what God had in mind for a mother and a mother in Zion, it would bring healing and peace to your heart. That when we start honoring roles that God put in our lives, there is a blessing. And also for there may be women here, you don't feel especially maternal and it's a tough role for you. You know, it's not just because you're a woman doesn't mean that you're going to have strong maternal feelings. As we're going to go through this message, we're gonna hear God's perspective on what a mother is. And I pray it's going to stir you and strengthen you and to encourage you. We don't all have to be alike. We're not penguins in the family of God. We are different. And God, there is something in you and God's gonna call it forth that you can be all that he intended you to be in him. So I hope it blesses you and strengthens you today. We have nothing but fractured families in our midst, and I think that our society is collapsing under the weight of fractured families. And when that can be restored, not just identity, not just roles and relationships that God intended, but I think there was a healing in our nation, and so many times the birth of new life does start with women. If you wanna join with me, I just want to pray uh, because I wanna speak to you today about the unseen power of motherhood. Father, I just thank you, Lord, that um, you are in our midst. Thank you for your lively presence in the worship. Thank you for the way you were speaking, even through this wonderful worship. I pray you would bless us, Lord, with your mind. I pray, Lord, the ability to disappear, that you may speak, O oh God. I thank you for what's in your heart for everyone in this room. So, Lord, just speak. Speak, O Holy Ghost, and we will be grateful and we'll be changed because you do, in Jesus' name. Amen, and amen, amen, amen. Well, 
If you want to follow along in your Bible, I'm going to turn to Judges 4. That's going to be our text today, our story today. Judges 4. I'm going to be reading from verses 4 to 8, King James. And it says this. Oh, before I do that, I just want to sort of frame it up. But the story we're about to read in Judges is about a time in Israel when it was a very low point for their society and their religious life. And that, we see that in many societies, they seem to rise and fall, they have good times, they have epic times, they have declension, they have very hard times. And seriously, this was a very hard time in Israel. And as we go through these verses, I think you will be astounded at the parallel between the times in Judges 4 and the times that we actually face today. So what were those times? Well, it was an evil time for society because I think the people of God sinned against light. And having a knowledge of God, they chose another path. And God sold them into the hands of an enemy king. This enemy king had a general, his name was Sisera. And as a general, he was able to amass an army that mightily opposed and oppressed Israel of that time. As a mighty army, they had assembled 900 iron chariots, but he made sure that the oppressed nation of Israel that they ruled and reigned over had only had no smith in the land, and they were not able to muster one sword or one shield in every 40,000. Uh, for every 40,000, there was only one spear or shield to be found. So basically, their ability to defend themselves physically had been taken from the nation of Israel, so that a long and unopposed oppression would be their portion. And they would know going to war against these odds would, in the natural, obviously mean a massacre and a slaughter. But then verse 3 says that the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. And God truly had an answer for this overwhelming oppression, and that's where we're going to take up the story. And in Judges 4.4, it says, And Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, she judged Israel at that time. And she dwelt under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in Mount Ephraim. And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. And she sent and called Barak, the son of Ahinoam, out of Kedesh Naphtali, and said unto him, Has not the Lord God of Israel commanded, saying, Go and draw towards Mount Tabor, and take with you 10,000 men of the children of Naphtali and the children of Zebulun? And I will draw unto thee to the river Kishon, Sisera, the captain of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his multitude, and I will deliver him into your hand. And Barak said unto her, If you will go with me, then I will go. But if you will not go with me, then I will not go. And she said, I will surely go with thee. You know, I... Just let me go to one other scripture and then we'll look at this. It's chapter five of Judges, uh, Judges chapter five, the verse two verses, the first two. And it says, Then sang Deborah and Barak, her general, the son of Inuham, on that day, saying, Praise ye the Lord for the avenging of Israel when the people willingly offered themselves. So, I've described a dark time, and I've described what seemingly was God's answer to rise up and to once again stir the hearts of the people of Israel to remember their God and to bring victory from unexpected places. Pastor Carter often preaches about God's ridiculous battle plans and God's ridiculous plan, and God has another ridiculous plan here. Amazingly, though, they always work, and they always have a deep meaning and significance to us. So let's recap. Deborah is an extraordinary woman in any age. She is one of the major judges in the book of Judges. She is the only female judge that is cited in this book. And the people readily listened and followed her. They would go up to hear from her in, for judgment in the palm tree. She spoke confidently and she spoke knowingly of what the mind of God was for their situation. Even asking the people to go to war in overwhelming odds 
at her word. She was called a prophetess. She was asked to co-lead the army as a warrior judge. She was a singer. She was a poet. She was a writer. That's what the book of Judges chapter 5 is. It's a poem. And with all these credentials and seeming like a superstar has risen in their midst, I, we have to hear now from Deborah herself and what she thinks, what is the summation of the situation they find themselves in? How did she describe her times and how did she describe her role in it? And in Judges 5, 6, and 7, it says this. In the days of Shamgar, the son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were unoccupied and the travelers walked through byways. The inhabitants of the villages ceased. They ceased in Israel until that I, Deborah, arose, that I arose a mother in Israel. This is how she saw it. In, the, in her days, the highways were unoccupied and the travelers walked through byways. They took the side roads, not the main roads. The main roads were empty. The streets where life happened was deserted. To me, I don't know about you, but that sounds like they just went through a pandemic. Eerily empty streets in the cities and the towns, that's not natural. We saw it here in Times Square when the pandemic occurred. A city that was, is visited by 40 million people a year. The streets were eerily deserted and empty. The inhabitants of the village ceased. They ceased in Israel. And she was describing village life, which was the center of life in her day. It refers to the daily natural life that people lived in small communities, how they lived, where life happened in, in neighborhoods, in blocks, on streets, in small communities, where people knew each other, looked out for each other, were able to live in relative harmony, agreed to a social code. There was a sense of belonging and a sense that this was your place. This ceased in Israel. And people were not living in peace and security in their city blocks or towns. Nothing was natural about this life anymore. And in this description, it's suggesting after what seemed to me like a pandemic, the neighborhoods became a place where village life ceased, had their shared humanity been taken hostage by hostility. The scripture says that travelers walked through the byways, they took back roads, meaning the main streets were to be avoided. In their day, the young would acknowledge and greet the older adults. And now it's suggesting and commentaries say that the older ones cross the street to avoid the rebellious young to avoid them and to take the back streets. Village life had broken down under the oppression of the enemy and everything precious and that was life-giving was leaving their human experience until, until in verse seven, it says until I, that I, Deborah, arose, that I arose a mother in Israel. You know, she didn't use her other titles to arise and say, I, Deborah, a prophetess, arose. She didn't say, I, Deborah, a judge, arose. She didn't say, I, Deborah, a warrior, arose. She didn't say, I, Deborah, a singer, a prophet, a, a poet, a prose writer, an influencer did not arise. No, the title for the very solution for the hour and the most powerful title she could take upon herself that God could use for that current darkness was that the one she arose with, she said, I arose a mother in Israel. So what did she understand about being a mother that maybe we need to be reminded of? What did she understand or what did God communicate to her? What the power, the influence, what is it that a mother contributed to such a time as this that was needed from top to bottom in this, at this time? You know, in Genesis 3, Adam calls his wife's name Eve. The first woman created by God, her name was Eve. 
And her name is significant because, first of all, that represents how Adam saw her. He named her. And then it represents what was her God-given role in the earth. What did God have in mind when he created a woman? Her name was Eve, and that name Eve means life giver. It means life giver. So every daughter of Eve is named Eve, life giver, because that's God's intent. That's God's original intent when we as women walk this earth, that we are to be in the power of God, with the mind of God, life givers. Yes, amen. Amen. And curiously, Deborah is called the wife of Lapidoth, but she's not named, she's not named as having children. We don't know if she had any biological children. None are mentioned. She may have, or she may not have had. We sort of identify Deborah, if you're not new to the scriptures, Deborah comes to mind with her public face, that she was a judge. She was used in a very public way. But we don't necessarily think that's my idea of a maternal woman or a mother. But she still, whether or not it is named in Scripture, whether she had biological children or not, it was the title she claimed for herself. She lays claim, I am a mother in Israel. And I believe that in doing that, she is reflecting what is the privilege of all women those who have biological children or not, that that prized, vaunted, honored name of mother belongs to every daughter of Eve because we can be a mother in the physical sense, but we also have opportunity to be a mother in Israel, which means a spiritual authority and a spiritual sense where we live for the benefit of others. And God has a call in our life to reproduce and to reproduce spiritually. And so if whether or not Deborah ever was a biological mother, she called herself a mother in Israel, and it was a very powerful title for her. Um, as a life giver, Deborah was not trapped by the tradition of culture, but she was anointed to rise. She was not in rebellion as a woman leading, but in obedience to God, she was leading her life as God was leading her. And her gift met the need of the hour, and therefore her calling was born. And so many times you have gifts and talents, and when the need of the hour calls them forth, your gifts and talents, my gifts and talents are not for ourselves. Our gifts and talents are for the body of Christ. And this woman, Amen. And this woman didn't back up and didn't let any, any idea of what she couldn't do or couldn't be when God spoke to her, when she set time to seek him, to be alone with him, to know him and to know his voice, honored that he was knowable. She would sit under a tree and God would speak and that woman would rise in the power of that word and see where others couldn't see and do what others said she couldn't be done. And so this title of mother as a daughter of Eve was not dependent on her biological experience necessarily, but that spiritual equipping as a mother, as a life giver, she is operating. And um, as I said this morning, I, I now might be saying something that people are going to find a little controversial, but nevertheless needs to be said, is that women and only women can give birth. Amen. Women are birthers. There's something in that assignment of being able to give birth that also happens in the spiritual. There is something that from times and seasons knows that needs to be birthed in the spirit. Men produce seed. But women carry the seed, and women birth the seed. And, and so many times, the seed refers to the promises of God. And Deborah had this as a mother in Israel, as a life giver. This woman could hear the promise of God. She could hear what it is that God wanted to do in her hour 
when many would have said this is an unwinnable war and the darkness is enclosing us and swallowing up, that it is a hopeless fight. But she was in touch with the Lord and he birthed something in her and she was carrying the weight of his promise and she knew that her God could not lie and she could see what God wanted to do in the most desperate of times. It was calling for a mother to birth forth what God wanted to do in that time and that hour. Hallelujah. So Deborah arose a mother in Israel. And as a mother, she started activating something. Her prophetic ministry and her revelatory ministry of understanding what God wanted to do, didn't need to be begged to do, but wanted to do. Against all odds, God wanted to give victory to his people, but he needed to find somebody that could carry that promise and birth that promise into reality to get God's perspective. When we get mired down into our own perspective, it looks unwinnable and too oppressive, but she had the mind of God. And so rising, she put an activation in her spirit. And that's exactly what mothers do, that when they begin to rise and they begin to start an activation in the, in, around them. And in Deborah's case, she was able by rising, activate warriors around her. She was able to activate an army around her. She was willing to activate a people who would willingly give themselves. I don't understand this. I'm just telling you what scripture says, where the people willingly offered themselves because I, Deborah, a mother in Israel, arose. She met the need in a very unique way. And she began to activate faith around her. And, you know, I really believe because it's something about what it is to be a mother that is very selfless, that it is not looking for its own title and its own role. A mother looks on people with a mother's heart because to give birth, to raise children, to raise young is a very selfless thing to do. The demands are 24-7. And there is no glory and no medal for people who do what a lot of people think they just should do. And we should do. But yet, you get closer to the heart of God as we give our lives for the benefit of others. You get, I think, a direct line into heaven. You get an ability in your spirit to be sensitive to what God is doing because it mimics his heart. Because we share his heart of living for the benefit of others. And so I, uh, I believe old school church still has something to say to us. Many of the old school church women didn't know the Hebrew or the Greek to many words, but some of you know what I'm going to say is true. But when mama rose up to pray, some things started to change. Because she knew it was life and death. She knew that unless God intervened, unless he brought life into a situation, this son, this daughter was not going to make it. There is something about it. You get almost shameless in your cries and your weeping, something that you can't eat or drink, something that, that overtakes your, your spirit, that you are giving your life and all your strength and your force for the life of another. And when mama rose up to pray, something started to move. When Lois raised up Eunice, who raised up Timothy, began to pray, the church believed, and the testimony continued through this line of believing people. And I'm not sure what it is, but at Summit students at, at the Bible school, for everyone, there is such a history of students getting up to say, I'm here because of my grandmother. I am here because of my mother. And not, and, and I know you hear me, of course, there is the all-important role of father, but it is Mother's Day. <laughs> so, so we're going to stay on target here. But for every time there was a father mentioned, thank God for every father, there was at least 10 times a grandmother and a mother mentioned. Why is that? What is that communication of spirit, of faith down from one generation to another? It's a real 
thing. And so mothers, I just want to encourage you, the spiritual authority that you have, because you have the ability to birth, you have ability to bring into a situation something that is needed in your understanding of it. Deborah means bee. And I don't know if you know anything about bees and a queen bee and honeybees in a hive. But a queen bee is an impregnated female bee who can lay up to 3,000 eggs per day. Per day. And she does it for years. And the eggs far outweigh her total body weight, which really does echo a mom. She gives more than she gets. The queen bee keeps the worker bees motivated and producing. She does this one way by vibration, by her wings moving. She sets things in motion in the air. And this vibration causes an emitting of a sense that creates harmony and unity and bonding in that hive. And a mother is about bonding. A mother is about keeping it together in the hive. And I think when this time where village life is low, where the life on the streets and the life in communities and the life on the neighborhoods is at a low ebb, God is uniquely saying, I am going to empower the mothers of Israel with that ability to create life around them. They are going to set something in motion through their prayers and through their love, through a selfless kind of loving people and seeing people. God will anoint you and back you as your eyes look around a very needy world and to see spiritual sons and daughters and physical sons and daughters where you feel like there is, you only have a limited capacity to give. God says, I will visit you and I will enlarge your capacity. You will lay 3,000 eggs a day, which seems impossible, but you are a life giver. I've created you to be life giver. I've anointed you to be life giver. And mothers in Israel, when we rise into God's appointed place for us, I'm telling you, he backs us with life and ever will be. So I think that when we understand what God's perspective is of a mother and a mother in Israel, we are going to actually start to support that role, encourage that role. I want to tell you that for every mother that feels like in her household that she needs to start activating something spiritually in her midst, please go for it. Do it. Don't undervalue yourself. Don't underestimate what it is God has created you to be and to do. I promise you for every Esther and every queen bee that arises, a husband, he, his God-given instincts to guard, to guide, to govern will rise. I'm telling you, every man that has ever been enriched by a Deborah that is appreciated and encourage her to do what only she can do, and that is to birth and to push something into the world. That is, it's her part to do. That he will encourage the Debras. He will encourage. God has uh, encouraged her tenacity, her persevering, her prayer life, her commitment. Celebrate her unique role. Listen to her for so many times. She knows what she's saying because the scripture says, I will multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Pain and a mother's love and a mother's role is interconnected. And that's why this love in so many ways can be trusted when it's healthy in God. It is selfless. And so a woman has, a mother in Israel, has the capacity to push through pain. You have the ability to push through disappointments. You have the ability to push through radical changes in your body or in those around you. You have the ability to push through because to give birth, to do what you were created to do, that is an act that at the beginning is all give on your part and there is no return of concern or comfort for a mother and a new mother. There is none for her. It is all give when that, for that infant to be put in her arms. But oh, the joy and oh, the vision of what she has for that new life that has been entrusted to her. So birth act 
activates a mother's love, and it's an unconditional and a self-sacrificing love. Now, of course, we know, and I hope you have not brought a scorecard out, moms and spiritual moms, of how well you tick off the boxes here. Because, you see, when we understand what God's heart is for us, and when we see in the Word how He will come and minister to us, and this is the high calling in our life, He will come and change nature. He will come and give us strength in strengthless places. He will come and be what we need Him to be if we will ask Him. And He's delighted to hear our voice. I tell this story many times, but there is a mother in this city who rides five and a half hours one way on a bus to go upstate to prison to visit her son. She rides five and a half hours one way and five and a half hours back again, and she does it regularly. And when I asked her, why do you do that? She said, because he's my son. She told me, I remember that five-year-old boy. I remember that little boy with a twinkle in his eye, full of life and promise. And I may be the only one left that knows him this way. I'm the only one who can remember what he looked like, full of promise. And I remind him of who he is. And I tell him not to give up. I push through. And I think, you know, that is such an amazing story of the life the activation that is found when a mother in Israel arose to activate and set warriors on their feet, an army on their feet, a people willing to give themselves, a family on their feet, a son, a daughter on their feet. There is power in being a mother in Israel. There's an unbelievable story in the Old Testament of two Hebrew midwives who were commanded, you can read that story uh, in Exodus 1. And these two Hebrew midwives were commanded by the enemy king, the king of Egypt, who enslaved the Hebrew race at that time. And these two Hebrew midwives, whose uh, one of their, their names meant shining, and the other Hebrew midwife, her name meant brilliance or brilliant. Two women shining with the love of God, strong in mind, and strong in their reasoning power, they were told by the king of Egypt that when the Hebrew women, when the Hebrew mothers went into labor, they were to be there, and they were to kill the male babies and save the females alive. Now, the devil always overplays his hand. That is, imagine, imagine, you, you from the Hebrew midwives' point of view, you oppress us. You make our lives hard and bitter. You take away our hope and our future. You enslave us. And now you tell us to kill our own baby boys. But the midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt had commanded them, but saved the men children alive. And so the scripture says, the king called them, the king of Egypt called them and said basically to them, where is the blood that is supposed to be on your hands? Where are the dead babies that you are to be presenting to me? Where I gave you a command. And it's so interesting to me that that command to produce dead baby boys was spoken to life givers, to people who knew as the people of God who they were called to be. And when, you know, when there was a roar, why are the men children still alive? Here's what these Hebrew midwives said. Because the Hebrew women are not like your women. Hebrew women are lively, strong, and are delivered before we can come to them. And shining and brilliant, my name's for them. Shining and brilliant, I can see them going into the land and beginning to counsel the other midwives and to counsel all the young women pregnant at the time. You are going to have to be strong and you're going to have to deliver this promise. 
You cannot do with assistance. You're going to have to learn that the good hand of God is upon you and what you are called to do to bring life into this world and to know that I will help you and you will be given strength and you will become lively in your spirit and you will not abort the seed that I give you. But my promises to you are sure and strong and you are going to raise up a generation not of death but a generation of life in me. Because they're your children. They're not somebody else's children. They're your children. They're your sons. They're your daughters. There's an amazing video out made years ago. It's called Pray the Devil Back to Hell. And it's the story. Yeah, amen. Yes, sister, whoever that was in the middle. Pray the Devil Back to Hell. It's a story in an African nation where at the time they were capturing um, young males and forcing them into an army to commit atrocities and hopefully gain their love and their support and keep them in the army to do the dictator's bidding. And finally, the mothers desperate of losing their sons at the rate they were losing to a terrible situation decided that they would band together. They would all wear white and they would stand on the corner and make sure that they stood in the path of where the dictator passed by every day. And they would stand at noon, gathered dressed in white and pray. Amazing story, but can I tell you that dictators, his rule was broken, the laws changed, and those sons were not taken into captivity anymore. That wasn't a group of people saying, let's fulfill a political agenda, let's talk about some project. No, this is sons. These are my children. These are sons and daughters that this nation deserves. And my part is to make sure that they are brought to life and God will enable me and keep me to be able to pray for them and to be able to take them back from their appointed place of what oppressors and a culture would take them and take them on a dark path. I thank God for the mothers in Israel. There is hope while there is a mother in Israel left. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. And so God dealt well with those midwives and the people multiplied and waxed very mighty. And God gave those midwives that feared God. He gave them houses. He gave them a legacy. He gave them children to love. He gave them homes to establish. He gave them an anointing to enliven other people. He gave them strength to grow God's testimony in the next dead generation. The scripture says, then I, Deborah, arose a mother in Israel, able to stir, able to cause people to offer themselves willingly in a dark and desperate time. Thank God for that anointing. It is a high calling to be a mother in Israel, whether a mother or a spiritual mother. And I salute and honor the mothers of this church, the God-fearing mothers of our generation. God will give you strength to help you because you are the key to these times. When you need wisdom, he will be pleased to anoint you like Deborah as a mother judge. When you need strength and courage to go on, he will be pleased to anoint you like Deborah as a mother warrior. When you need joy, creativity, a song and a story, a smile and love in your heart, he will be pleased to anoint you like Deborah as a mother, a songstress, a poet, creative. And when you need a word from God for your future and your children's future, he will anoint you like Deborah as a mother prophetess and a prophetess being someone who speaks under the anointing and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. My sisters, you have the hardest, most critical job in our modern culture. You have the hardest, most critical job in our modern culture. It demands the most. It demands an intensity to keep up with toddlers. It is exhausting running after children. It is emotionally exhausting dealing with teenagers. I said earlier in service, I'll repeat it again. Sometimes in those situations, raising children, your nickname is mom. Your real name is mom. 
But we have been designed and anointed for life. We are life givers. This is the mind and heart of God for us. Let us rise and not give up this ground. Hallelujah. Let us step into the field of the fatherless. We will be given more than just our own children, but for this church and other people's children. Send your children to us at Summit. I'm telling you, God gives us strength to love them and speak prophetically to them and let them know what God says about them. And they rise under that voice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to close by saying for single mothers, I just have to tell you, your courage, your tenacity, your strength, your bravery is remarkable. And it is beautiful. Single mothers, please do not give up. Do not, your not giving up means everything. So ponder this word that the Lord has given Ponder it because Jesus loves women who keep those things in their heart and he strengthens you through his word and you will rise also. To mothers of special needs children, the demands on you are relentless and you are your children's strongest advocate. Continue to let your voice be heard. Your beauty and your grace in this is seen by all of us. Sometimes the strength of motherhood is greater than the natural laws. And so, beloved, as you continue on being a problem solver, being patient, as you listen to your children, as God gives you strength and resilience in very tough situations, I encourage you as an older woman to the younger woman, love your children, physically care for them, correct them, build them, connect with them. The nation so desperately needs you at your post. We have a great debt to Christian mothers that we have been too slow to fully honor at times, too slow to wholeheartedly support. But that's why I'm very delighted today that we have this day to honor you, a day to encourage you, a day to believe God to put strength in your heart because the nation and the hour requires that a mother in Israel arise to be a life-giving force in a culture of death. I heard it said I wouldn't change my grandkids for the world, but I wish I could change the world for my grandchildren. And who knows? But you've been called to the kingdom for such a task and such a time as this. I would like to ask every mother and every mother in Israel, a spiritual mom, a natural mom, we are one together. If we can hear this word and are believing God to cause us to rise at this most critical time, not backing up, but giving birth, staying faithful till God brings forth the promise in a glorious way. In Israel's darkest time, they needed a mother, and we do again. So I'm gonna ask if you would stand, please. And Pastor Carter is going to come, and he's going to pray for the mothers in Israel and mothers in this place. And when he is finished, we're gonna ask everyone in this place to stand together, that we could truly applaud and cheer the most deserving group of people, sometimes underappreciated in our midst today. And so Pastor Carter, if you want to come and pray for this most precious, powerful, and strong group of people. Father, I just pray God for all the mothers here and the mothers of Zion that are part of this congregation and those that are listening online. We've heard from your heart today. There's no doubt about it, God. There is an anointing available. There's a gift of faith that is beyond any of our natural ability <clears throat> to stand or believe. God, thank you, Lord, for your willingness to impart this faith to every heart. Oh, Jesus Christ, I do pray, Lord, that every mother in Zion could take this message home and begin to speak your name over their home, their family, their marriages, their children, their grandchildren, their communities, and even their nation. Father, thank you so much, God, 
There's such a thing as a word from heaven. Deborah and Barak fought from heaven, Scripture says, and we've heard something from heaven today, God. Would you give us the grace, as we heard, to ponder these things in every heart? Give every mother here, Lord, the ability to say, this is me that God is speaking about. It, I'm the one that has the power to give life. My words make a difference. I have a strength given to me of God that is deeper than anything I could ever fully understand. But help me, God, to embrace it. Father, thank you, Lord. Jesus Christ, thank you. God, you're telling us that there's hope for the future. You're telling us that no matter how empty and violent our streets might be, how broken down our society is, God, there's always a mother in Israel. There's always a remedy, Lord, that comes from places that we don't naturally even expect it to come from. But God, your kingdom is not a natural kingdom. It's a supernatural kingdom, and your ways are not our ways. Your ways are higher than our ways. So God, thank you, Lord, for making so clearly to us one of those higher ways today. Father God, in Jesus' name, encourage every heart of every woman in this church today. Lord, I pray that as every woman goes home today or back into their apartment, even if they're alone, Lord, they begin to speak your name over every corner of that dwelling, to speak your name in the street, to speak your name in the, in the hallways of whatever place they happen to live, to speak your name, God, as Simply they pass by groups of young people on the streets, Lord, just to begin to speak the name of Jesus. God, for there's such power in your name. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, God, would you give us your eyes? Would you help us understand you've called us to be more than we think we are at this time, Lord? You've given more into our hands than we could ever fully understand. For the, the kingdom of heaven has never been advanced by the strategies of man or the strength of man. God, it's by your wisdom and your power and your might. And God, often you, you choose us when we least expect you would ever use our lives for your glory. Oh, God Almighty, thank you, Lord, for this word today. God, it has so impacted us. Thank you, Lord. Would you give us the grace to ponder it now and not put it away as just another index card with more knowledge on it? God, help us to ponder it, for there's something so profound in this word today. We give you the praise and we give you the glory. Bless the mothers of this church and those who are online who are part of this community. Bless them, oh God, and we ask it in Jesus' name. And for the rest of us, I would like you to give a shout of glory for all of the mothers and the mothers-to-be and the, the mothers in Zion in this congregation. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Week. Happy Mother's Year. Happy Mother's Future. Praise God. Happy Mother's Revival. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this message. And be sure to subscribe so you can receive new messages each week. Visit tsc.nyc for all the latest info on how you can stay connected. Also, don't forget that you can follow us on social media on all major platforms at Times Square Church. Thanks for tuning in today. Have a great week.